right. Everybody excited? Good deal. Well, I look forward to coming here. I'll tell you that. I, I get into winning people to Christ. That's what I do. I talk to everybody. I was in the restaurant the other day, and we had to give our name, you know, where you wait, have to wait. They have a little pulpit there. And I said, is this a pulpit? Are you going to preach a sermon? I'm going to give in your offering. I reached in, got some money. She said, I'll preach if you'll give. Anyway, everybody can touch somebody's life. Amen? I want you to turn to one person and say, I am going to be a master soul winner. Amen. All right. Now, now don't lie about it. You have to do it now. Amen? Winning people to Christ was never my goal. It was my starting point. That's where I started. I've always talked to people about Christ. And this is Father's Day. I woke up this morning and said, God, happy Father's Day. Amen. God, our Father, gave his son for us. Isn't that wonderful? If you win a child to Christ, you have a 3% chance of getting that family involved in the church. If you win the mother to Christ, you have a 17% chance of getting that family involved in your church. If you win the father to Christ, you have a 97% chance. So Father's Day is a good day, amen? My wife and I, we had three children, and uh, I lost a son um, a month ago and in a motorcycle wreck, and we just hate that. But I just happened to have on my desk a card from last Father's Day. I don't know why it sat over against the wall, why I kept it this long. I threw all the others away. But I just happened to have that card because that was the card he gave me last Father's Day. God is good. Amen? I sprained my ankle a, a few weeks ago, and I've had trouble with it. And my wife said, you might have broke it. said, you should stay off of it. How would I do that? I have to walk. I have to be on it, right? Amen. So it's hard to figure things out. I'm always looking for answers, and I live out in the country on, on 10 acres, and we got an old pickup. It don't run too good, don't look too good, but if you live where I live and you live out in the country, you have to have an old pickup. So I got this old pickup, and I had my manager take it in and get it fixed, and the guy called me and said, Ken, you need to junk that thing. It ain't worth nothing. I wouldn't give you $100 for it. I said, I don't care. I want to keep it, and I want you to fix the brakes. He said, that's why I'm calling you. <clears throat> we can't fix the brakes anymore beyond fixing. And I know you like answers, so what are we going to do? <clears throat> I said, make the horn louder. See, there's always a way to find an answer. Isn't that true? So that's what I believe. I look for answers all the time. And I believe you can just make the horn louder and people get out of the road and you honk the horn if you can't stop with the brakes, you know. <laughs> get out and drag your feet a little bit. But anyway, God is good. I witnessed to people on the plane and everywhere. You'd be surprised how many people you can lead to Christ on an airplane during bad weather. It is amazing. I just lean over and said, you ready to die? He said, don't talk that way. You know, they get nervous. I, I hit them when they're hot. Don't bother me. You know, I think everybody can talk to somebody about Christ. Last year, giving God praise outside the church, 
I led 301 people to Christ and got about 250 of them involved in churches. This year, I've led 166 to Christ. And I'm just saying, everybody can do that. See, you got to, I figure out some. I turn everything into soul winning. Some of you have heard me talk about it. I turn everything into soul winning. I was in Chicago, the airport was crowded, and a man came over and said, excuse me, is this seat saved? I said, I don't even think it goes to church. But I said, we can pray for it. What do you think? He said, no, that's fine. He started backing away. He said, but what do you do for a living? See, the reason I win so many is because they keep begging me to witness to them. They're always asking me, what do you do for a living? I have to tell them how many know that. So you see, there's opportunities every day. I don't pray for God to give people opportunities because they're already there. I pray for you to take those opportunities and make them into something. Amen? <clears throat> Turn everything into soul winning. I got on a plane. Man was on crutches and had his leg in a cast. I said, what happened? He said, I fell off a 12-foot ladder and broke my leg. I said, that's too bad. It'll get better. But I said, you know, I fell off a 30-foot ladder one time. I had everybody's attention. They said, really? Did you get hurt? I said, never got a scratch. One lady said, how would you fall off a 30-foot ladder and not get hurt? I said, I fell off the bottom step. It was a 30-foot ladder. I didn't say it was on the top, you know. So then, then people said, what do you do for a living? So then I had to tell them, there it is again. It just happens all the time. All the time, people begging me. See, I believe when people ask you a question, you should answer the question. Am I right? If you go in a restaurant and they say, do you want coffee or tea, what do you say? You don't say fine, good, wonderful, that'll be okay. You answer the question. That's why I'm trying to get my pastor to change the wedding ceremony because I think it's sad when the pastor says to the bride, do you take this man for better or worse? And she says, yes. That ain't no answer. Do you take this man for better or worse? Better, richer, poorer, richer. Sickness and health in health. That's what, those are answers. So, you know, when people ask you, you need to tell them. That's why when I'm walking through an airport and somebody say, how are you doing? I don't say fine, wonderful. I used to do that. Never led anybody to Christ with those words. Now when they say, how are you doing? I say, I'm glad you asked me. Since you asked how I'm doing, I wouldn't be rude and walk away and not tell you. And they're just freaking out. They're just, they're standing there. They don't know what to do. And I witnessed to them in two minutes. And then I, the other day, they shook hands with me. A man and his wife said, thank you, thank you very much. And they were shaking hands with me before they left. And as they walked away, she said to him, why would you ask him that? He said, I don't know, but he answered it. Wasn't that funny? Yeah, I don't think it's funny. Answer the question. Amen? Praise God. Everybody can be a soul winner. Well, I want to tell you, today I want to talk about the creation of an atmosphere for miracles. Uh, when you leave today, I brought some of my books along. I brought my life story book. It's not my whole life story because things happened to me this morning that, that aren't in the book. But it's my life story, and uh, I'm a German Jew. <laughs> Should hate myself. And... Uh, <clears throat> I got all kinds of things back there. We got videos and seminars. And, in fact, my seminar this year is just going bananas. We've never seen anything like it because of the economy, maybe. How many know the economy is different? 
you know, I, I, I hear about Wisconsin all over America and about what's happening here. I don't know. Do you have a governor? You do. Okay. We, I don't know. You know, I just hear see Wisconsin in the news everywhere. And I'm just trying to figure it all out, you know, what's going on. They don't talk about Washington State like that, but they talk about Wisconsin. And so I'm just trying to figure all that out. But uh, everywhere I go, you know, the people ask something. They ask dumb things. One lady said in Florida, she said to me, were you someplace before coming here? I said, yes, I was. You know, isn't that crazy? One guy said to me, have you lived in Yakima, Washington all your life? I said, not yet. You know, and my birthday's December 8th, and one guy said, what, what year? I said, every year. I have it every year. You know, so people ask funny things. But I've got a seminar back there because the economy in Washington, D.C., the economy's bad, you know. I was in Washington, D.C. recently, and Motel 6 won't even leave the light on for you. And that's how bad it is there. And uh, the, the mafia in D.C., they're laying off judges. Uh, so, you know, it just, it's just it's the way it is there. But anyway, I, I have a seminar back there that if you buy the seminar, it will talk about your future and your health and your decisions. Because I don't believe that you you decide your future. I believe you decide your habits. And your habits decide your future. And your passion decides your habits. If you have a habit of tithing and giving, then I can talk to you about your future. And if you don't do that, I can talk to you about it too. So you see, it's very important that we know these things. And I talk about your health. I believe your health is important. Isn't that true? A couple of years ago, I took off 70 pounds, and that, that was something else because I know God wants me to be a cathedral. I mean, a, a temple, not a cathedral. And so I was trying to do that, you know. And I talk in there about uh, how to make decisions on a business level, a family level, about your money. I talk about how never to make, if you have to, if you're not debt-free, which you should be, but if you're not debt-free, how to not make a monthly payment on anything, car, credit card, house, or anything, but to make a weekly payment, break it down to weekly. We talk a lot about that, how to make money on a credit card, never use it, and I just did a seminar not long ago with Dave Ramsey. We had a great time. So you talk, uh, get one of those seminars and we'll just, and, and we got some things for kids. We are, our ministry is 100% against the Harry Potter stuff. I don't know where you are with it. They're t showing it in Sunday schools in some churches now. And I'm against that. So uh, we got something that's even better than Veggie Tales called CJ's Closet. How many got kids at home yet? Do you? You got kids at home? So here, how many got kids at home yet? Or do you throw them out? You still got? Okay. Well, here's something you can get back there. I'm going to give you one of those. So there you go. You don't have to buy one now. And uh, stop back and get one. I didn't know what to speak on this morning because they, they had it here and they knew about it, but I didn't see it on here. And it says notes for the message, but I didn't see any there, so I have to make some up. But I want you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. And uh, we're going to talk about the creation of an atmosphere for miracles because I think it's very, very important. I used to say when you need a miracle, just pray, believe God. Just trust God. And then they didn't get a miracle. Neither did I. And I was trying to figure that out. And uh, I just was uh, 
studying about this recently, and in the last month, I'm talking a lot about this. I'm, I've got a new book coming out this year about God's master plan in our life and how that works and how to make it work and what you need to do. But I don't believe that you just get a miracle. I believe there has to be a creation of an atmosphere for a miracle. Here the Bible said, and I'm reading from um, the Amplified King James Version. It's the King James. I'm going to amplify it, okay? You don't need a King James Version Bible to go to heaven, but when you get there, one will be issued to you. In the fifth chapter of Mark, in the 25th verse, the Bible said there was a certain woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, suffered many things and many physicians, spent all she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. Then it said, and when she heard of Jesus. Now, when I read this, I know that to get a miracle, we don't uh, have to have a super intellect. God is a miracle-working God. How many believe that? And we are people that can create an atmosphere for a miracle. This woman here, I believe uh, she did several things that caused that miracle to happen almost automatically. Number one, she got what I call on the building crew. Everybody in every church is either on the building crew or the wrecking crew. Is this mic on? You heard that? Okay. If you're on the building crew, you give and you go and you serve and you tell and you share and you help and you bless and you sacrifice and so on. If you're on the wrecking crew, you criticize, you grumble, you complain. Isn't that true? You know that's right. You see, people on the wrecking crew, they're always hollering about something. You say, I'm looking for a perfect church. Well, if you ever find one, don't join it. You'll screw it up. That's right. You see, there is no perfect anything. And so what I'm saying here is this woman, in her spirit, I believe she got on the answer side, on the building crew. She was that type of a person or at that moment when after 12 years of having all these problems, she somehow decided to be on the building crew, one or the other, but she got on the building crew. I like people that are uh, believing for good things to happen. Amen? I'm bothered by people that don't do anything because when you don't do anything, you never know when you're done. And you can't take a coffee break. So, you know, I, I don't like that. I like people doing something, going somewhere. I'm, I, I got to tell you this. I, you may have heard this in one of my tapes or something, but uh, I was on the airplane. I was sitting in first class. They upgraded me, and there's four seats here and four across the aisle. And uh, we're eating breakfast, and nothing was happening. And I thought, this is not good. I have got to make something happen. So sometimes I just start off with whatever. I don't even care. I don't even know where I'm going with it. I just leaned over to the lady next to me, and I said, would you like to buy my yogurt? I just made it up right on the spot. And she said, no, I, I have yogurt, sir. Thank you. So I reared up in the seat. asked the two people behind us, you guys want to buy my yogurt? They said, no, we have yogurt. I asked the guy across the aisle, you want to buy my yogurt? And I heard somebody say, why is that guy selling his yogurt? <clears throat> and so... The guy across the aisle said, no, I have yogurt. And the flight attendant came down the aisle. I said, you want to buy my yogurt? She said, buy your yogurt. We got all kinds of yogurt. Why are you selling the yogurt? I said, on the orange juice, it said, drink for your health. So I drank it. 
on the yogurt, it said sell before August 10th. I said, we got two weeks left. I believe you can make it. And I gave it to her, you know, and she laughed. And several people said, what in the world do you do for a living? I said, I'm eating now. So I finished eating. Then when I got done, I turned around in my seat and knelt in the seat so the lady beside me could hear me, the two people behind me, the four across the aisle, and I gave my testimony of what God had done in my life. And uh, uh, one guy said, wow, what in the world? That, that is something. He said, I've never heard anything like you. And I was witnessing to seven people. And this one guy said, I'm a Baptist preacher. Said, that's the best I ever heard. Said, I'm going to start selling yogurt. Now, selling yogurt's not the answer, but how many to get the message? It's to get in there and make something happen. I just dream up stuff. I just have fun doing it. I think everybody can do it. I don't think anybody can't do it. I believe everybody's available to do it. And this church could double in size. I'm going to be very negative right now, which I don't usually do. This church can double in size before the end of this year, but it could double in size before the end of next week. You might want to turn the mic on. They missed that. But anyway, how many believe you could? See, everybody win one. You don't have to win the whole city. How many are praying for revival? Some of you are. Well, quit. No, don't pray for revival. Be a revival. Wherever you go, just be a revival. That's what I do. I talk to everybody about Christ. I was in the Applebee's and having a meal, and when the lady brought my food, I said to the waitress, do you mind if I say grace over my food? She said, no, it's all right. Now, do I need permission to pray over my food? No, I don't. So why did I do that? I just made it up on the spot. Now, I do it all the time or a lot of the time. And she said, no, go ahead and pray. It's all, say grace over your food. It's all right. I said, is there anything in your life you'd like me to pray about? And she started crying and said, I'm going through a terrible divorce. Please pray for me. And I had a chance to witness and pray for her right there. Isn't that neat? See, when you get on the building crew, this is what happens. It's just automatic thing. I can't help it. I just have fun doing it. And I've won people to Christ and in, in the most unusual places. And I read in the Bible there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And I thought, that's cool. I can use that. I'll make up something on that. So on the next airplane ride, I, a guy got on the plane and was going to sit down beside me, and I said, hi, my name is Ken. I'm a man sent from God to speak into your life on this flight. He freaked out. I mean, it was something. I've had people cry. I've had people scream. I've had people laugh. I've had people just be stunned, not know what to do. One lady got on the plane, and, and she was going to sit by me, and I said, Hi, my name is Ken. I'm a man sent from God to speak into your life on this flight. She dropped her purse and her book and covered her face with her hand and just screamed. And the flight attendant turned around and said, What's the matter? What happened? And the guy sitting across the aisle said, he's a man from God. Oh, man, you can't believe what all happened on that flight. I, it was unbelievable. It was one thing after another. And then the other people, a flight attendant came up and said, there's a man back in row 17 wants to talk to the man that was sent from God on this flight. I mean, I've just had unbelievable stuff happen. See, when you get on the building crew, 
That's what's going to happen. That's what will make you a master soul winner. I do not believe it is your senior pastor's job to be the major soul winner in this church. He's a shepherd. My pastor is a shepherd. I've been to Israel more times than any man alive now. We're getting ready for a 153rd tour. And you know what? I have never, in all of my trips to Israel, I have never seen a pregnant shepherd. You'll get that on the way home. But, you know, it, it's sheep that bear sheep. Amen? Sheep bears it. Turn to somebody next to you and said, I think he's talking about you. Amen. Sheep bear sheep. So, you see, I think it's important to get on the building crew. I got to tell you this. I was in Chicago a few years ago when they had those floods, if you remember, and uh, the airport, very few planes in, very few out. And, uh, man, it was a mess. People were stranded for three days, uh, some I think as many as four days, and business people laying on the floor, their head on a briefcase, trying to get some sleep. There were no motels. The food was gone. I mean, it was a mess. And very few planes. And I was on a plane that came in. But I had to get to Seattle. And when I came in, I saw long lines of people at the counters. And the poor guy at the United counter, he wasn't friendly. Of course, United didn't say he'd be friendly. They said the skies are friendly. So... I got in line, and everybody was mad, and they're going to sue the airlines because it's the airlines that cause the bad weather, right? And so they're going to sue the airlines, and everybody's losing a million-dollar deal and all kinds of garbage. You couldn't hear. I made up my mind to be on the building crew. I made up my mind to change the atmosphere of everything, and I couldn't wait to get up to the desk. The guy ahead of me said, to the guy, you'll hear from my attorney. And he was cussed him out and left, you know, and out. Man, how bad. I got up to the desk. I said, hi, how you doing? He said, what's the matter? He never heard anybody be friendly. And he didn't know what to do with it. I said, I'm going to Seattle. And anything you can do to fix up my ticket to get me to Seattle, I'd appreciate it. And he laughed. He said, sir, I got hundreds of people on a waiting list for a Seattle flight. I said, uh, I got no problem with that. Did they ask to wait? He said, yes. I said, let them wait. I'm on the going list. He said, that's funny. And I took my envelope, and I wrote on it with a marker pen, going list, number one, Ken Gubb. I said, see? And I showed him. He said, that's really funny. <laughs> I said, let me show you how to do this. Now, I have trained hundreds of airline people at no cost. I said, let me show you how to do this. I know exactly how to do this. You find a plane going any place, any city in America. If it's going to Texas, put me on it. If it's going to D.C., put me on it. If it's going to Florida, put me on it. Don't have to go to Seattle. If it's going to New York, put me on it. He said, that's the wrong way. I said, not if it keeps going. Go around the world, come into Seattle. It'll work. But he checked the computer. He said, well, I got one seat on a plane going to D.C. Leaves in 40 minutes. I said, I'll take it. He said, it's the wrong way. I said, I don't care. He said, I thought you wanted to go to Seattle. I said, now, what about that flight 5217 that goes from D.C. to Seattle? He checked it. said, I got a seat on that. I said, I'll take it. What about flight 3841 that goes to Yakima? He said, there's a seat there. I said, I'll take it. I said, see, I'm on the going list. 
And I heard somebody, there was a, a businessman laying off to the right, and he sat straight up when you heard going, the word going. It's a big word. And he sat straight up and said, going list, where is he going? And the guy behind me said, I don't know. He got on the going list somehow. And uh, but somebody said, going, where, uh, are they going now? Yeah, they're going. He's on the going list up here. This guy's working. They're working on his ticket. He's on the going list. And that people started getting in line. That line grew 100 feet in no time. Everybody said, what's happening? said, I don't know. They got a going list now. And everybody was getting on. Nobody knew where anybody was going. But they were going. They want to go. Get on the going list. And finally, when I left, the next guy that stepped up, see, I changed the whole atmosphere of everything. Because when I stepped up, or when he stepped up, he said, hi. He said, I'm on the going list, too. And that's the way it started out. I don't know what all happened. The negative ones are probably still sleeping there. But what I'm saying is that everybody should change the atmosphere of things, get on the going list. You can be a master soul winner if you're a Christian. Amen? Lead people to Christ. Everybody can do it. I talked to a Jehovah Witness the other day, and I said, I'm a Jehovah Witness. He said, really? I said, yeah, I witness for Jehovah every day. He freaked out. He didn't know about that. They never heard of anything like that. I told him, you know, I've been telling the post office they ought to hire the Jehovah Witness to deliver the mail because they're in the neighborhood every day anyway. You know, I just had fun. I started witnessing to him. He didn't know what to think. He wanted to get rid of me. But I'll tell you what, get on the going list, amen? Then this woman here, it says, and when she heard of Jesus, something else happened here. And I use this everywhere, and I'm using it in my book. I've changed the whole chapter since my son passed away. And uh, number two, never in your life, remember this. I see some of you writing it down. Never cave in during a crisis. Whatever happens to you spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, never cave in during a crisis. When my son was killed, and the highway patrolman came to our office. It was a sad day for our family, a sad day for our office, all the staff. We called our office in, in um, uh, Canada. We called our office in London, England, where we were, they brought, uh, duplicate our radio programs and told them what happened. And it was not a good day. But at that moment, I knew with being the head of my family, and Father's Day is every day for fathers, amen? But being the head of my family, being the head of this ministry, that I could not cave in during this crisis. I would now have to live what I've been preaching. Preaching, cheering them up. When a man died in a car wreck, when a woman died of cancer, when a boy got shot in Afghanistan, and I'd meet the family, I'd cheer them up and lift them up and say, you can make it. God knows best. Leave it in God's hands and all that. How many know all those little things? We say all those kind of things. And I now would have to live in it. Preaching, it's easy. Living, it sucks. I'm telling you, it's not too easy. Isn't that true? So I learned not to cave in during a crisis. Even my daughter on her, on her Father's Day card that she gave me that I opened this morning said, Dad, you've always been there for us. And You've had, Father's Day is every day for me. 
She said, you've always helped us through every difficulty, but now with Dan being killed, said, you couldn't fix that situation, and I know it's tough for you, but I'm here for you. I thought that was really cool. It was really cool. Never cave in during a crisis. Daniel was not promised by God that if you live for me and if you pray every day for me, that I'll keep you out of the lion's den. God never told him that. He went in the lion's den, but because he didn't cave in during a crisis, God brought him out victorious. Amen? I think about the three Hebrew boys who got thrown in the fiery furnace. They did not cave in during a crisis. They said, God will protect us. But even if he doesn't, even if we die in that furnace, we're going to live for God anyway. I like that. And they got in there, and the fire was so hot, it killed the guys that threw them in there. And these three boys just walking around in the furnace. What do you think they were saying? Cool. <laughs> this hot furnace is cool. <laughs> oh, man. They never caved in. I read in my devotions about Joseph, and the Bible said, and the Lord was with Joseph. And then his brothers were going to kill him. This is a Jewish family. I can talk like this. This is a Jewish family. And they were going to kill him. And one brother said, why kill him? We can sell him. Jewish thing came right out. So they, they, they sold him into slavery, but the Bible said, and the Lord was with Joseph. And then he got thrown into prison for a sexual crime that he didn't do. And the Bible said, and the Lord was with Joseph. He didn't get mad at God and said, any God that would treat me like this and let me end up in prison when my life is clean and pure must not be much of a God. He didn't say that. He lived for God no matter what. How many plan to live for God no matter what? Whatever it is you face, you never cave in during a crisis. And he lived for God, and finally Joseph got out of that prison, and the Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph. And you know what? Joseph became the second most powerful man in all the known world at that time. Not only that, Joseph became the second richest man in all the world at that time. He became a multi-billionaire overnight. The Bible said that the Lord was with Joseph. You want God to bless your life on this Father's Day and from this day on? Let the Lord be with you. This woman here, when she heard of Jesus, she got on the building crew, and then she did something else. What was it? She never caved in during this crisis of 12 years. 12 years she faces. Been to all those doctors. Number three, she decided to be a high-performance believer. When you're on the building crew, and when you don't cave in during a crisis, the devil knows that you're on your way to be in a high-performance believer. I give in every offering. I think it's the thing to do. Amen? I believe when they sing, we should sing. When they pray, we should pray. When taking off, we should give. You don't say, well, I, did, I had to put some in, but I didn't bring any money. You don't do that at the grocery store. You don't say, well, I don't have any money. Isn't that true? So, you see, I've taught my grandkids, give in every offering. I had my little grandson with me one Wednesday night, and I, I had a $50 bill and a $1 bill. So I gave Austin the $1 bill, and I said, put this in for both of us. He said, put your own in. I didn't have my own to put in. 
I had a 50. I'm not putting that in. So uh, anyway, I, I wasn't going to that night. <laughs> and so I said, no, it's for both of us. He said, that's not what you preach. You put your own in. And he wouldn't give up on it. He said, get it out, Papa. So finally I got that 50 out. I was going to ask for change, but I didn't have the guts to do it. So <laughs> I was going to ask the usher to give me 20 back, you know, so I had something. But I didn't do it. I let the whole 50 go. It cost me money to teach that. But you see, it's so important. When you're a high-performance person, you will witness to people. You'll talk to people at the grocery store, the gas station, whatever. You know, I was talking to him at the post office one day. I had to mail a quick letter and buy a stamp, and I was talking to him, and, and they said, you know, we're going to only be open about two or three days a week. We're only going to deliver the mail two or three days a week. I said, well, you've been practicing that for years. Yeah, it'll be okay. It'll work out. You know, I said, the post office don't do everything right. You can't figure them out. They got them posters up of wanted people. Have you seen that? That is so stupid. It is. Why didn't they arrest him when they took the picture? You know, that's so crazy. So I just try to think they need some answers, you know. But when you're a high-performance person, you believe. You tell your pastor, I'm going to bring a new family next Sunday. You say to these people, you get excited about your church. Nobody will get excited about Life Church unless you're excited about it. Nobody get excited about your young people, your worship team which is awesome, by the way. Nobody will get excited about your kids or kids' programs or anything. I saw a little shoot back here or whatever where you get rid of the kids, I guess. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> throw them down there and they land the garbage or something. I don't know where that But anyhow, nobody's going to get excited about this church unless you talk about it and get excited about it. Isn't that true? People say, how's your church? Oh, it's Okay. That's why people don't win people to Christ. They walk up to people and say, you wouldn't want to be a Christian, would you? No. Well, I didn't think so. Nobody get excited like that. I get excited about my pastor. I've got people come to our church through being excited about my pastor. You could say, well, our pastor's preaching Sunday. Man, you got to hear him. Let me take you out to breakfast, and then we'll go hear our pastor. Or if that's too early, let's go hear our pastor, and then we'll take you to lunch. Get excited about it. I do it all the time. Make up new stuff. I was in a cafeteria, and I went through the line and got my stuff on a tray, and then they have a waiter that takes it to your table. And he said to me after I paid, he said, where do you want to sit? I said, follow me. So I'm looking around. I want to find somebody to witness to. That's my whole life. And so I saw a man sitting in a booth by himself, a booth for four people, and he was sitting by himself. And I said, excuse me, do you mind if I sit across from you? I won't bother you. We don't have to talk. I just actually want to sit with somebody so it looks like I have friends. He said, sit down. <laughs> so I sat down. And I prayed over my food. And then he said to me, where are you from? I said, oh, we don't have to talk. It's okay. It's all right. No, he said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Yakima, Washington. He said, you don't sound like you're from Yakima, Washington. I said, I live in the south end of town. And so <clears throat> I had fun with him. Well, I said, I eat alone a lot. And uh, so I just wanted to sit with somebody. That's all. And he said, I've been eating alone a lot the last three months myself. 
I said, really, why is that? He said, my wife died of cancer. I knew I was at the right spot, at the right place. You see how easy it is to find an opportunity? And you know what? Fifteen minutes later, first time in his life, 78 years old, we joined hands across the table, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He's an usher in a church in that city now. Isn't that exciting? You see, everybody can. You say, I wish I had your personality. You don't need my personality, then I wouldn't have one. You got your own. And I tell people everywhere, don't be like your pastor. Don't be like me. Don't be like the wife or the husband. Be yourself. David couldn't put on Saul's armor, but he had a slingshot he was good with. You see, there are ways. We're all, my, if you met my wife, you know, I don't understand her. She loves cats. I hate cats. I love dogs. She hates dogs. Isn't that something? What I'm saying is this woman here, she created an atmosphere for a miracle. Then she said, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And she touched Jesus, and Jesus said in verse 34, your story has really touched my life. Is that what he said? No. He said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. She closed her case in victory because she was on the going list. She knew how to create the atmosphere. She never caved in during a crisis of 12 years of being sick, all these different things. Every one of us has faced or will face a crisis in our life one way or another. We all face things. There are things we face. I face things every single day, every week. But God is always there, amen? He said, I'll stick with you. I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you on this Father's Day. I tell you, this woman knew how to get her case closed in victory because she created an atmosphere for a miracle to happen. Whatever your need is, this can be a day of victory. This can be a day of answer for your life. God can do good things in your life if you allow him to. He can open the windows of heaven this morning and meet the needs in your life. Father, we thank you right now that we can say yes to you. Forgive us, Lord, and help us, and help us to say an eternal yes to you from this moment on. We give it all to you. We praise you today because you are a miracle-working God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope today I didn't step on your toes, <laughs> but if I did, I hope I smashed some plum off. Be a soul winner, okay? Give the Lord a good hand this morning.